0: There was a parade of green down Forest Avenue on Sunday for the 57th annual Staten Island St. Patrick's Day Parade. But like in years past, the rest of the rainbow was excluded as LGBTQ groups were once again barred from participating.
1: Being gay changed nothing about my Catholic upbringing and Irish heritage, and I was taught to love thy neighbor. We apply for the march knowing the organizers will disrespectfully refuse to even accept our application. It is far beyond time that A group of small-minded men stop having power over one of our biggest cultural events on Staten Island.
0: Welcome to the Staten Island Advances from the Scene, a podcast bringing you an inside look at the biggest stories on Staten Island with the reporters who cover them. I'm your host, Eric Bascom, and this week I'm joined by Staten Island Advance public interest and advocacy reporter Paul Leota to discuss the ongoing exclusion of LGBTQ groups from the Staten Island St. Patrick's Day Parade and how it has impacted what was once one of the borough's most highly anticipated annual events. Thanks for joining me today, Paul. For those of our listeners who may not know, you're our primary reporter for all things pertaining to Mayor Eric Adams. You know, with the lifting of many of the city's coronavirus restrictions in recent weeks, I'm sure it's been a very busy time for you. What's it been like trying to navigate all this and explain all the new rules to our readers?
2: Uh yeah, between him and all the political turmoil on the island, it has been a busy few weeks. Regarding the COVID mandates, it seems that the mayor has accepted that this is going to be an endemic situation. No longer pandemic situation that we're gonna have to learn to live with and in that vein and i guess in an effort to get the economy back up and running he's lifted you know two of the biggest mandates the key to nyc that you needed to get to indoor bars restaurants gyms and the k-12 mask mandates in cities public schools it seems like we might finally be trying to get out of this thing to some extent
0: so after two years, it's nice. Yeah, absolutely. I know a lot of people are feeling relieved about those things. I know one thing I'm still waiting on as evident by the Nets hat here is for the employer and employee mandates to come out as well so that we can get Kyrie Irving back in a Nets uniform at the Barclays Center. But let's move on from that. And let's get to the main reason that we're here, which is to discuss the St. Patrick's Day Parade. So uh, in February, you reported that multiple LGBTQ groups had been denied their applications to march in the parade, which we've seen repeatedly in recent years, right? And so in speaking with the members of these groups, what was the reasoning that they were given and what did they say about how it felt to be turned down again? Uh, LGBTQ groups trying to apply goes back at least 10 years. Uh,
2: there was a group beforehand when the parade was under different uh, leadership that the way the organizer had explained it to me, he had gotten permission to a degree, but then didn't want to march if you would, they weren't able to march openly it was a little too convoluted for me to like actually get into in the reporting so most recently on february 20th there was a sunday at holy family three groups the pride center of Staten island goal which is a uh, gay and lesbian officers association and then uh an fdny group uh, called fire flag They went to the crypt of the church and basically went to submit their applications and it almost instantly turned into a very tense situation primary organizer president of the uh, richmond county st patrick's day parade association committee larry cummings he got very standoffish almost instantly and essentially took their applications, put them in a certain pile, and they asked what that pile was. He told them, well, that's a pile that's not going to be marching openly under their banners, uh, which is really the big question with all this. It's not necessarily that gay people are specifically banned. It's that, like, gay organizations, LGBTQ organizations are banned from openly marching under their banners, uh, which we'll get into later. But at any rate, the groups, I mean, Carol Bullock at the at the Pride Center She's been trying to apply for, I think, at least the past three parades. I got to remember, we skipped 2021, obviously, because of the pandemic. Mm -hmm. But she has been denied and denied and denied. So she wasn't entirely optimistic. And this year, even, they put a very specific paragraph in the application, big bold letters, that uh, basically said, you know, you guys don't need to apply. We're not going to take you. It's never going to happen. And I mean, even though they were expecting it, there's still obviously that it just doesn't feel great to be excluded from what is ultimately a community event
0: and, uh, you know, a parade that a lot of Staten Islanders love for a really long time. Casey Hankins is the head organizer of the Rainbow Run of Staten Island.
1: I was raised on corned beef and cabbage, the teachings of the Catholic Church. I went to Sunday school before kindergarten attended CCD in high school, Sunday mass with a non-negotiable, and I, com- I participated in youth group for 10 years where I learned to spread love in my community. Woo! Being gay changed nothing about my Catholic upbringing and Irish heritage, and I was taught to love thy neighbor. Discrimination against LGBTQ groups only furthers hate in our community. For the past 12 years, we have approached this issue with relentless empathy. We apply for the march knowing the organizers will disrespectfully refuse to even accept our application. And never once have we called for a boycott or direct action, promoting only love and queer visibility on St. Patrick's Day. And the organizers' actions are hurting our small businesses because when you look around today, less people are marching, less people are coming to this parade because of the organizers' actions discriminating against the LGBTQ community. It is far beyond time that a group of small-minded men stop having power over one of our biggest cultural events on Staten Island.
0: I know you touched on this a little bit, but I, I think something that people are probably curious about is kind of who makes these decisions. And you mentioned it's this organization who kind of runs the parade, I believe the leader is Larry Cummings, as you said. What more can you tell us kind of about that group, what they do and what the reasoning is that they've given?
2: I mean, the reasoning is is pretty straightforward on their part. It's, you know, I mean, whether you think it's right or wrong is up for, you know, personal interpretation. But It's that it's an Irish Catholic parade. The Catholic Church is against homosexuality. I mean, when the woman from Goal uh, went to submit her application, uh, the first thing he asked her was, uh, does your organization support a homosexual lifestyle? Which was a pretty jarring question. Yeah, I mean, that was sort of his first question. So that's what they are couching it on, that it's a Catholic parade and Catholicism is against LGBTQ stuff in general, which, historically, very accurate. But the Pope... More recently, this current pope has come out with a who am I to judge type approach to everything, which, you know, again, relevant of what you think of the pope, if you're a Catholic, what the pope says kind of goes. Yeah, I mean, that is their reasoning. Uh, They have essentially full and total control over the parade and who marches. Um, Larry took over within the past decade. In 2011, it was a different gentleman who's been around. For a while, and he was a bit more political about his approach to it. I guess he did. He wasn't outright saying that, like, oh well, no, it's just gay groups that can't march, LGBT group, LGBTQ groups that can't march. It, you know, we don't want politics in it. And there was always those couching it in those terms and. Larry has taken over and has taken an extremely firm stance against uh, any LGBTQ groups marching in the parade.
0: Yeah, and you mentioned in there that they can basically make the decision on who can and can't march kind of on their own there, and one of your articles on this topic mentioned a Supreme Court decision from 1995 that essentially allows parade organizers to exclude certain groups from their events, and I had never heard of this before your story, and I'm guessing a lot of our listeners hadn't really until just now maybe, so what can you tell us about this case and the precedent that it's set in? In future years, a gay group that was trying to march in the South Boston parade back in '95, same kind
2: of situation. They wanted to openly march under their banner. The organizers said, "No, no, 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 no," and the courts in Massachusetts sided with the LGBTQ group, essentially saying that it basically there's this idea of like protection under the equal protection under the law kind of thing that like you can't exclude people based on it's the, essentially the stuff that ended Jim Crow in the South. You can't, like, separate people in that way. So that was the decision in the Massachusetts state courts, but then eventually it got to the federal level and got to the Supreme Court. And the Supreme Court unanimously, which, and this was a much more liberal court, slightly more liberal court than it is now, unanimously decided that, in layman's terms, parades are a form of speech. That speech is of the parade organizers, and those organizers can't be forced to say something through that speech of the parade that they disagree with. So it's the idea that like, you know, somebody can't put a gun to your head essentially and say like, you have to say this, which is a a very much more dramatic way of putting it. But that's the gist of it. And there's this gentleman, uh, Brendan Fay with the Lavender and Green Alliance, who's been doing this work, essentially trying to get inclusion for LGBTQ groups in parades around the country primarily in New York, but he was involved in a similar case in the city in the 90s that got up to the federal level, and the judge more or less made the same decision in that case. So at the federal court level, this is sort of a moot
0: point legally. We'll be right back. The Mayor of Maple Avenue is a powerful multipart podcast about Sean Sinisee a victim of former Penn State football coach, Jerry Sandusky, who was arrested 10 years ago for numerous child sexual abuse charges. The podcast series is written and hosted by Pulitzer Prize-winning reporter Sarah Gannum, who takes listeners into the world of addiction rehabilitation, where society can be quick to celebrate the consequences for abusers while not addressing the needs of their victims. Subscribe now to The Mayor of Maple Avenue wherever you get your podcasts. The original case that we were dealing with was in Boston. You mentioned this has been an issue in the New York City parade as well, in the Manhattan parade. And so obviously this isn't something that's unique to Staten Island, right? There's been tons of other places that have experienced similar controversies in recent years. But tell us a little bit more about some of those other places and and whether those cities have reversed course at this point on their decisions. As far as I can tell,
2: and as far as I can find anywhere, Staten Island is the only one left that still does this. So, despite my last name, I am half Irish, and my family's from Limerick City. Limerick is a fairly conservative area, and I'd assumed that maybe it would be there would be somewhere in Ireland where this was still a thing, but no. I mean, this has been a done deal. You know, County Cork had their parade it was in the '90s that they allowed LGBT, LGBTQ groups to ultimately march. Uh, Limerick was in the early 2000s. I I couldn't find anywhere in Ireland. I can't find anywhere else in America. There was a parade up in Throgs Neck that I think still excluded LGBTQ people from marching in 2020, but they reversed course this year. The gentleman I mentioned, Brendan, he was marching. He'll He'll be marching in that parade up in the Bronx. As far as I can tell, Staten Island's the only one left. And I think a big part of that is the total control that the parade organizers have. Because I mean, particularly with the Fifth Avenue Parade, the first group that was able to march was uh, an NBC Universal LGBTQ group, and NBC is the one that broadcasts the parade and has, for the better part of I guess, 30 years probably. So I'm sure there were some behind the scenes conversations there, like if you want your parade on TV, you're gonna let our people march, and that that extra layer of leverage just doesn't exist in terms of the Staten Island parade.
0: Yeah, it really is crazy to think about the fact that we may be the only place left uh, in the world that that is still doing this. But so shortly after your article came out about the groups being excluded again, you wrote another article that the majority of Staten Island elected officials would sit out the parade because of the decision, which is something we had been seeing in recent years, less and less politicians had been marching. But this year, I mean, I believe we only had two march. So. What did you hear from those who chose not to march? And do you think that their decisions will maybe apply any pressure in the coming years to make the parade organizers change their mind? Um, no, probably not. <laughs> I, I th- honestly, I think uh, State Senator Savino had
2: easily the best, most succinct point on the issue. She was like, this isn't going to change until there's new leadership at the parade. And I don't see that happening anytime soon. And it's—I mean, obviously, she thinks it's unfortunate that though I mean, she's been a champion of like gay marriage and gay rights and equality in her time in the Senate, but yeah, I mean, I think she has the most straightforward and easy to understand point that as long as this you know leadership apparatus and this like committee exists the way it's currently set up there's not really going to be much that people can do to, uh,
0: you know, have people openly march. And so even though most of these politicians did sit out the parade itself, that didn't stop many of them from going to Jody's Club Forest for the annual pre-parade breakfast that we've seen uh, for lots of local electeds and prospective candidates. And I know you were in attendance there. Can you kind of set the scene for us a little bit? What was it like in there? Was the exclusion of these groups a a topic or was it really just the chance for them to do their annual schmoozing as they do? Oh, you know. Bit of both. So
2: essentially, if you've never been to Jody's, it's like a massive party, gets packed out. A month ago, I don't think this would have been going on given the whole Omicron surge, but you know, like we said at the top, this is, I guess we're getting out of it. Ahead of the, I guess, official start of the breakfast, Pride Center held a brief press conference outside. Uh, Some of the local electeds and some of the people vying for office uh, tend to join them at the press conference you know, sort of supporting their call for
0: inclusion and, and that sort of thing. Michael McMahon is the district attorney for Staten Island.
2: Really soon, every Staten Islander, no matter what, no matter who they are, no matter what they think, no matter who they love, will be able to march in our parade and we will renew our faith. And being Irish and being Catholic and being New York, Staten Islanders, New Yorkers and Americans. So until then, thank you so much for coming out and thank you for supporting all of our friends who proudly wear the, for whom we wear this rainbow pin. Thank you very much. Uh, but inside, you know, I mean, it was, there was people with the rainbow pins It got mentioned in a few speeches, but I, I think it was much more, fortunately, or I, I'm not sure how to phrase that, but I, I think that that was sort of put to the back of people's minds given how uh awful the past two years have been for a lot of people uh particularly those who are in the business of schmoozing um so yeah i think i think that was their i don't want to say their focus but i mean it was definitely something that people brought up people mentioned every everybody had their little you know rainbow lapel pins on they obviously support inclusion but i think that sort of stuff can kind of go
0: to the back of people's heads sometimes right and so you know, anyone who attends the parade each year can can clearly see that participation has plummeted recently. So whether it's because of the exclusion of these groups or not, there's no denying that the number of people marching in the parade and the number of residents lining the sh- sidewalks of Forest Avenue has dropped pretty dramatically. I mean, I've been going to the parade every year since I was in high school. I, I mean, even before that. And and you can just see it when you're walking around Forest Avenue. There's less people. It's not as tightly packed. You used to not be able to move. I mean, it was like you were at a concert at points. If you were standing at forest and barred in front Front of Starbucks, you were in a sea of people. Now it's pretty open. You could spread your spread your arms out and and kind of make moves around. And it, it's just a, it seems very different than it was even just you know five years ago, maybe. So, is there any concern among community members or organizers that the parade's future could be in jeopardy if they don't start making changes in the coming years? The organizers don't
2: really speak to the media anymore, so I don't think they are going to make their concerns public if those concerns do exist. It's definitely something I've heard. Anecdotally, I mean, what we want to chalk it up to, whether it's LGBTQ exclusion or if it's that we're coming out of still in vaguely a pandemic, the weather at the start of the day was kind of off. I don't like to chalk up motivations, but what we can say is that the parade organizers have, in addition to not allowing LGBTQ groups to march, they've removed countless groups that used to march, whether it's high school marching bands. I think St. Joseph by the Sea was the only one left this year they removed the pageant winners because the one in 2020 decided to come out as bisexual. And they said, well, now there's no more pageant winners in the parade at all. So I think when you start removing these things, I mean, you're taking out parents who are just going to see their kids in the marching band. You're taking out you know, family and friends of the pageant winners who are just going to see their friends and family be honored in a way. And I think that can only have an effect of having fewer people at the parade. Councilman Borelli, in his way sort of pointed out that it's turning almost into a pride parade in its own way because anybody who is there not anybody but a lot of people who are there they hold the rainbow flags they wave their flags Mm. something that's you know I mean the parade does seem to be dwindling but it doesn't seem
0: to be affecting any change at the committee level i guess yeah and, and it's a shame you know thank you so much for joining me today paul you do great reporting as always and this is a super important topic to so many people throughout our community so we appreciate your hard work and i look forward to having you on again soon thanks did you know professional golfer and staten island native bill Britton won the pga tours centel championship on october 1st 1989 Thank you for listening to the Staten Island Advances from the scene. If you like what you've heard, please make sure to rate and subscribe wherever you get your podcasts and visit silive.com for the latest on all these stories and more. Thank you for supporting local journalism.